Hello and welcome to Sake Revolution, America's first sake podcast. I am your host, John Puma, from thesakenotes.com and New York's foremost sake nerd. And I'm your host, Timothy Sullivan. I'm a sake educator and brand ambassador, as well as the founder of the Urban Sake website. And together, John and I will be tasting and chatting about all things sake. So, Tim, we are still in lockdown. Yes. This is introvert heaven. So, John, I'm curious, uh, what have you been doing to get your supply of sake during this shutdown? I've been ordering the vast majority through uh, online stores. Uh, what about you? Yeah, pretty much the same. I've been ordering sake from uh, different out outfits that do delivery. And I think it's a very, very good time to get sakes delivered. And they really encourage you to order in bulk, which is not really a problem. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> now that we're all stocked up with sake, uh, what's on the agenda for today's show? Well, uh, I suspect there's going to be a visit to the sake education corner. <laughs> yes, you got it. Uh, today in the sake education corner, we're going to be learning about the Junmai sake classifications. Now, John, do you remember what the word Junmai means? Uh, I've had quite a bit of sake the last couple of days, but I do remember that it means pure rice. Uh, does that mean we're going to be tasting some Junmai today? I, I mean, after the education corner? Yes. We're going to do our education first, and then we're going to move on to our tasting. So that's absolutely right. So... We established that the word Junmai means pure rice. And, you know, if you go back to episode one, we talked about rice milling. Yes, and in episode three, we talked about the ingredient of added alcohol. Some sakes have added alcohol and some don't. So at the most basic level, this word Junmai just means pure rice. It's a style of sake that has no added alcohol. So everything that we're having today none of them have any of that added alcohol that we talked about last week. That's right. So we're going to explore all the different levels of Junmai. So there are three grades of Junmai sake. You can think about it as like an entry level to premium, middle grade of premium, and then super premium. Mm -hmm. So these are the three grades of Junmai. And as you move up the levels, sakes are going to get a little bit more refined and a little bit more expensive. So the entry level, let's talk about that first. So if your sake has a classification name that is just called Junmai, nothing else, just this word Junmai, uh, what does that tell us about the sake? Well, it tells us that it is premium sake. It is the mm -hmm. lowest grade of premium sake. So it's the lowest grade of the highest grade, so to speak, of the high grade. Uh, and it is pure rice, which means that it does not have the brewer's alcohol uh, at risk of repeating myself. Yeah, that's right. So Junmai just means that it's a premium grade of sake. And that is a style of sake that has no added alcohol. It's not fortified in any way at all. So that's really all that word tells us. But then there's another level up. And this is called Junmai Ginjo. G-I-N-J-O, Ginjo. Mm -hmm. And if your sake is labeled as a Junmai Ginjo, that tells us even more about the sake. So first of all, Junmai indicates that it's the pure rice style. We've established that very well. What does the Ginjo part tell us? Uh, this tells us that the rice has been milled 
to a certain percentage or smaller in order to qualify for this level of sake. So it really has to do with the rice polishing ratio, which we covered in episode one. The smaller you mill a grain of sake rice, the more of the outer layers you remove, the grain gets smaller and you isolate more of the starch that's in the center of the grain. And the more you polish that rice down, the more premium the sake becomes. And for Junmai Ginjo grade sake, the rice has to be milled to 60% or less remaining. And then that brings us to Daiginjo. Yes. So the next level up from that, we would often call this super premium sake. This would be a Junmai Dai Ginjo. Dai means big in Japanese. So this is right. the big Ginjo or the super premium. Super Ginjo, right. Yeah, and then that and is uh, milled at fifty percent or less, and that's right. So that's a and that's a lot of cat. That's a lot of space that it covers. That's right. So the rice for a Junmai Daiginjo or super premium Junmai sake has to be milled to fifty percent remaining or less remaining. So fifty percent or less. So to do a quick summary, Junmai has no milling requirement. The rice can be milled to any amount. Just really. Depends on the ingredients. That's right. Wow. None Junmai at all. can be milled to 99% remaining. There's no requirement as far as the milling is concerned. It's just about the ingredients. You cannot add any distilled alcohol. If you move up to Junmai Ginjo, that's 60% or less remaining. And then Junmai Dai Ginjo, the super premium, 50% or less remaining. So those are the three grades of Junmai. You know, when you think about it, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. So, so Junmai... And Junmai Daiginjo cover really large swaths of the of the Samai Boy, you know, if you want to go as a whole in the percentage. Whereas the Ginjo, the Junmai Ginjo is a very relatively small uh, pocket, uh, a very small category. Well, it's important to understand that these grades can overlap. And what I mean by that is that if I'm a brewer and I'm making a sake and I want to polish my rice, let's say, to 40% remaining. Now, I've qualified, obviously, for Junmai. I qualified for Junmai Ginjo. And because it's less than 50 remaining, I also qualified for Junmai Dai Ginjo. This does not mean I have to sell that sake as a Junmai Dai Ginjo. Once you reach a certain category by, by virtue of how far you've milled the rice, you're not required to sell your sake in the highest category it qualifies for. So if I mill my rice to 50% remaining, I can sell it as a Junmai Dai Ginjo. I can also sell it as a Junmai Ginjo. I can also sell it as a Junmai. <laughs> I don't imagine you would, though. Well, you know, there's a reason that sometimes they do that. Mm, what's that? Um, for example, if I'm a brewer and I make a Junmai Daiginjo, the super premium top level. Mm -hmm. If I make a Junmai Daiginjo and I mill that rice to 40% remaining, I make another sake that's also a Junmai milled to 50% remaining. So my options are to make a really high quality, awesome Junmai Ginjo, mm -hmm. or to have two Junmai Daiginjos on the market competing against each other, one milled to 50, one milled to 40. So a little, See bit what of, I'm saying? a little bit of branding, like a, a harmony in your branding, as long as you can separate the flavors. Exactly. So you can make a really kick-ass Junmai Ginjo, mill it to 50%. Could technically be a super premium, but you're selling it as the next grade down. So it's really a way to give your customer more bang for the buck, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And a lot, you see that quite often. 
So milling rates don't lock you in to one particular grade. The only requirement is that you have to meet the minimum in order to have the option to move up to the next level. Hmm. Very interesting. I think uh, I've seen situations where that's happened. Uh, definitely had situations where I've had a sake that had one grade and then maybe a couple of years later had the same sake with a different grade uh, and nothing else changed except for the, the, um, what they decided to sell it as. And I think that, I guess there's a, there's a certain reputation and, uh, and, and a feeling for being super premium that comes with saying your sake is Daikinjo. And if you want to lean into that, it's, it's there for you. If you're up to the grade. Yeah. If you want to. And even the sake that I'm going to be tasting today, which we'll introduce in a moment, it's a Junmai sake, and the rice milling is 55%. So oh. it's under 60. That means mm -hmm. it could be a Junmai Ginjo, but they're selling this sake as a just a regular Junmai. And you see that quite often. So um, I'm actually going to be publishing a chart along with this episode. Uh, so if you want to visit our show notes at sakerevolution.com, visit the show notes for this episode, and there'll be a link to a PDF that you can download that will give you a chart of these three grades, and you'll see the rice milling and how that affects the classification of these three Junmai grades. So go ahead and check that out and give it a download. Okay, so I, I understand that you know, you've got your grades and you've got your, your ability to to not necessarily go for the highest grade you qualify for, but how is that really going to, you know, in real life going to impact your, your sake? Yeah. You know, as I mentioned at the very beginning, we're going to have a big impact on the cost of the sake. You know, first, as you mill the rice down smaller, you need more and more raw material to make a batch of sake as the grain gets smaller. So the first impact, of course, is going to be on the cost of the sake. So as you get a Junmai Ginjo moving up to Junmai Dai Ginjo, those sakes are going to be more expensive. Uh, that is universally true. But it does also have an impact on the flavor. And that is tied to how much the rice is milled. If you remember the makeup of a grain of sake rice, you can think of it like a hard-boiled egg. You've got the yolk in the middle, which would be the starch component for rice. Mm -hmm. So all the starch is concentrated in the center like a little egg yolk, right, hard-boiled yeah, egg yolk. That's shimpaku. That's right. That's shimpaku. And then the outer layers, the egg white, that would be more where the fats and proteins are hanging out. Mm -hmm. So if you mill a little bit away from the rice grain, let's say you have 80% of the rice grain remaining, there's still a lot of fats and proteins that are around that starch core that are going to get into the final product. And those fats and proteins transfer into a ricey flavor. So those are actually what gives sake its ricey flavor. As you mill more and more of those fats and proteins away and you get more and more starch isolated, you can get away from this overt rice flavor and you can use different yeasts and different brewing methods to bring out a wide variety of flavors. You can bring out fruity, floral, mineral, all different types of, of flavors can be impacted. So you can be, make sakes that are lighter in body, more elegant, more fruity, more floral, and those tend to be the ones that are more in the Junmai Ginjo and Junmai Dai Ginjo categories. Uh, you get a big impact on the texture, 
and the real, really the expression of the sake. All right. So you can see how as you as you move up this chart and you get more and more premium, the price goes up, but also kind of the nuance, the expression, and the elegance of the sake also increases as well. Mm -hmm. So wait, that, that doesn't intrinsically make it better though, right? That's correct. I agree with that. I never ever say higher quality. A lot of people associate the Junmai Ginjo or even Junmai Dai Ginjo, that super premium. They say, oh, this has to be the highest quality. They get obsessed with this rice milling number. They start chasing the lowest milling they can find. And I think if you do that, you're really doing yourself a disservice. You're missing out on a lot of really yummy sakes. And uh, the milling rate really impacts the weight, the texture of the sake, and having a ricey flavor, a little bit more robust body. There's nothing wrong with that. It pairs really well with a lot of different types of food. All right. So all this talk about Junmai has got me very thirsty. All right. Well, let's move on to our tasting. I've yeah. brought a spectacular Junmai sake that I can't wait to tell you about, John. What, uh, what, first, what do you have for me? What do you have? Uh, so I am breaking the streak, Tim. The streak <laughs> had to end. Uh, for the first time on this show, I am not drinking a sake from Yamagata. I know. Dun, dun, I know dun. thought that maybe John didn't have sake that wasn't from Yamagata, but it is true. And there are other sakes from Yamagata in my fridge, but I specifically did not pick one. Uh, I'm actually um, going to be drinking Suige's uh, Tokubetsu Junmai. Uh, Suige is uh, a wonderful, wonderful brewery in Kochi, which is a kind of out of the way uh, part of Japan um, that I had the, 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 the privilege of, of visiting last year. And... It is uh this is a this sake there Junmai is known for being uh, very very dry and very crisp and I cannot wait to go deep into it and talk about it while I'm sipping. What yeah. Do I, so what do you have? What do you have? Well, I have um, a sake from Ishikawa Prefecture. Uh -huh. So if you think about Japan being shaped like a crescent on the Sea of Japan side, there's this peninsula that sticks out in the middle of Japan, and that's the um, Ishikawa prefecture. Mm -hmm. And this brewery is called Sogen. And I have the Sogen Junmai. And they are at the very far end of this peninsula. It is way out in the Sea of Japan. And it is a fishing community, very rural. And I had the opportunity to visit this brewery myself. It, oh, was, really? a th it was a three-hour bus ride all by myself to the <laughs> very, very rural Japan. It was quite an adventure. And uh, it was an absolutely fantastic experience. And uh, this is a uh, Junmai grade sake, uh, uses Yamada Nishiki sake rice, mm -hmm. polished to 55%, and the alcohol is 15 and a half. Very nice. Uh, why don't you uh, get started? Why don't you uh, yeah. pour, your, pour your sake, give it a swirl, and let us know uh, what, you, uh, what you're experiencing. All right. Well, before before I I sip this, I do want to tell you the story just briefly of visiting this brewery. I tasted this sake for the first time, I think, in 2008 in New York. I, f I fell in love with this brand. They only export one sake. So this is mm -hmm. the only sake this brewery exports. And 
I contacted the distributor and, you know, I was a sake blogger back then. And I said, I really, really want to visit this brewery. And they said, are you sure? It's really in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, no, I really want to go. And I was feeling very confident. So they told me what to do. And I went to um, Kanazawa, which is the main city in Ishikawa Prefecture. And I bought the bus ticket they told me to get. And I got on the bus and everyone was staring at me on the bus like, where are you going? And I took the bus three hours to the end of the line, the very last stop. And they told me when to get off. And I told, I wrote, someone wrote down for me in Japanese to show the bus driver like where I had to get off. And he said, okay, get off here. So I got off and I was on this country road and I looked to the right and there was nothing. I looked to the left and there was nothing. And then about 40 feet down the road, there were two construction workers fixing a pothole. And they looked at me like I had just landed from Mars. <laughs> and I was like, huh, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to call. Someone's supposed to pick me up. So I just kind of like, there was a bench by the bus stop. And I just kind of sat down. And five minutes later, I saw this car coming down the dusty road. <laughs> it was the brewer coming to pick me up. And it was, it was probably, it was so... Uh, scary at the time, but it was probably the most fun I ever had going to a sake brewery. Um, anyway, so let's give this a smell. Mm, oh. So this has a wonderful mixture. The aroma has a wonderful mixture of a little bit of rice, but this is Yamada Nishiki sake rice, which is known as the king of sake rice. And it tends to bring out more uh, fruity flavors. So I'm getting a little bit of like grape skin, a little bit of conquered grape on the nose. Mm -hmm. But, but there's a grain aspect there as well. Just the, just the slightest hint of like steamed rice or oatmeal is there as well. So it's a really good balance between a little bit of something grainy, something ricey, and some bright fruitiness as well. So I'm going to go ahead and give this a sip. Hmm, interesting. So there's a really crisp aspect to this. Mm -hmm. But it has it has a sweetness in the mid palate, so it's just this little burst of sweetness, and then it finishes relatively dry and clean. Oh, all right. So um, I first learned of this sake when I went to a sushi restaurant in New York, and the sake sommelier, the person who was recommending sake to customers, I asked him what he himself would drink with sushi, and he said, "I like sake with a dry finish. I think that's great for cleaning your palate when you're eating sushi." And that lesson always stayed with me. And he recommended this sake, and I tried it for the first time that night, and it's always been a favorite of mine since then. So it does have a dry finish, but there is this burst of sweetness you get in the mid-palate that's really great, really bright, really refreshing, but that dry finish just gets me every time so good. So um, that's my Junmai sake, so let's move on to yours. All right, let me uh, open this up. So I've heard, so this is from Kochi Prefecture. Right, that's right, York. Kochi Prefecture. Yeah, and I heard something about Kochi Prefecture. I'm sure you've heard a lot of things about Kochi Prefecture. <laughs> what have you heard? <laughs> I've heard that the per capita sake consumption in Kochi Prefecture is higher than anywhere else in Japan. Um, so I have also heard that, but I've heard that disputed. Mm. And not by people in Kochi. <laughs> they were proud. <laughs> they were very much proud like, of yes, it. Um, but what I've heard is that the per capita uh, is, is I think, number two. I think they had said that uh, that technically 
um, I can't remember if it was Tokyo or Osaka was higher, mm. but the percentage of people drinking local sake was off the chart and no one else is even close. Okay. So, so they drink Kochi, a lot. They're extremely proud of Kochi sake. sake. Yeah. Uh, a lot that happens in a lot of uh, a lot of regions in Japan, but I found that in in Kochi it was the most prominent I'd ever seen. Uh, they were just extremely uh, extremely proud of it, and you can go anywhere and see and taste and purchase Kochi sake. But getting sake from outside of Kochi was actually very difficult. Uh, mm. Inside of Kochi, Kochi is a very you know, it's a relatively uh, small prefecture. Uh, and Kochi City has, even though it's a city, has a very small town feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it, you know, everybody kind of rallies around their, their local stuff. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so this sake that I'm pouring right now was actually one of the first sakes I ever uh, kind of really fell in love with. This was my first go-to sake. So I'm very well acquainted with this one. <laughs> Although it's admittedly been a little while. So how's that aroma? Um, the aroma is not for the highlight for me on this one. Uh, it is, you know, it is a bit, it does have that, that a little bit of a ricey, little oaty, but by oatmeal-y, if I say oaty, like oats. Um, and, but a little sweetness to it. So like sweet rice almost. Mm. Yeah, it's almost like sugary rice is the way it smells. Uh, but not not overwhelmingly so. Just a, just a little hint. And I think that's what made it so approachable to young John Puma, who <laughs> was trying sake for the first time. Mm. And the flavor is it is it has a reputation for being very dry, but I don't get that so much when I'm drinking it. Uh, at least not until the very end. Then it has a very crisp finish, and that's where that dryness mm. kicks in. And yeah, there is a there's a nice little like very light tartness that kind of goes through the whole tasting. And again, mm-hmm. you get that really firm, uh, crisp, dry finish at the end of it. Um, but you're guided by that like a mixture of sweetness and. Uh, and, and kind of ricey, like, odi notes to it. It's really nice. Um, mm-hmm. When I first had this, it was at a, uh, an izakaya in New York that was serving very, like, l- kind of very, like, late night Japanese izakaya food. So a lot of kind of greasy fried stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, love that. And it went spectacularly <laughs> with that. Mm-hmm. So I think that because it's so, um, because of that, that, dryness and that crispness it gets filled in by the, those by big fatty flavors of the of the izakaya food so well absolutely you know going back to junmai in general as a category mm-hmm. uh, whether it's a junmai ginjo regular junmai or junmai dai ginjo i think one important um, point to make about those styles is that there's no added alcohol so what that actually does at, at a, you could say at a high level, is it allows more of the pure rice flavor to come through. So if you are a fan of that, kind of those ricey notes that you can sometimes get in sake, I find that um, across the board for Junmai styles, that tends to come across a little bit better. The added alcohol styles can mask that 
riciness just a little bit better. The added alcohol is an added ingredient that can influence the aroma and the texture. And I think if you really like that, the rice flavor that you get in some sakes, uh, junmai is a wonderful way to achieve that because it does mean pure rice and you do get that real pure rice flavor with this. With my sake, for pairing, I'm going to go with the nostalgic choice for me, which is with sushi. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. if the sommelier recommended it. Absolutely. And it was such a good lesson because this, the Sogen Junmai is not the most expensive sake on the menu. And he could have tried to sell me like the most expensive Wall Street bro Junmai Daiginjo. <laughs> and he he was really honest with me and he said if it was me honestly this is what i would get it's not the most expensive sake on the list but it has the dry finish which is so important for pairing with sushi and sashimi and that again is because you get that palate cleansing uh aspect to it it really just preps your palate for the next bite of fish and with sushi every bite of fish is a different texture different flavor different amount of fattiness so it's really great to have this refreshing clean um, palette when you uh, have sushi and this type of clean finished dry finished junmai sake is perfect for that well john i think both of our explorations of junmai sake has been really successful and again if anyone's interested in uh, seeing a visual of the different grades of junmai junmai ginjo junmai daiginjo just check out our show notes and you can download that chart Wait, so we're not going to drink a Junmai Ginjo now and then a Junmai Daiginjo? <laughs> I think we're sticking with just Junmai this time. All right. Next time. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in. If you can, please take a moment and rate our show on Apple Podcasts. That would help us a lot. And we want to make sure that you don't miss an episode because we do tend to build on things here. Uh, so go out and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, be it uh, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or uh, any other service, if you do a search for Sake Revolution, you are going to find us. And to learn more about any of the topics or the specific sakes we talked about in today's episode, be sure to visit our show notes or simply go to sakerevolution.com. And send your feedback, questions, comments, suggestions to feedback at sakerevolution.com. So until next time, remember to keep drinking sake and... Kampai! Kampai.